Ball hit deep in the left center field. Wise back, back. Makes the catch! What a play! Wade Wise makes the catch! What a play by Wise! Mercy! This is the Shoeless Goat Podcast. Brent Brown drops the ball! He drops the ball! Three runs will score! You gotta be beeping me! What in the hell are you doing? Welcome to episode 9 of the Shoeless Goat Podcast, where a Cubs, White Sox, and MLB podcast. I'm your host, Nick, and I'm joined again by the mayor of Section 509, Mr. Playoff-bound mayor, Patrick Bovard. Pat, how we doing? Pretty good, Nick. I gotta say, have, having a week where the White Sox clinched the playoffs for the first time in 12 years, and the LaGrange Wiffleball Academy Water Buffaloes, presented by Grecian Kitchen, clinched their third consecutive playoff berth, is a hell of a week in September, so... I'm taking it even with the uh, pathetic soreness my legs are feeling now because my knees are still barking. I literally played six innings of wiffle ball, and I barely was able to get out of bed this morning. Hey, I mean, that, that just shows what you put into it. Yeah, a couple of comebackers. That'll do it. Try to avoid getting hit. You don't get ranked 15th in the world uh, if just by it being given to you. This, this stuff's earned. It, it definitely is, uh, and world rankings can really be just solidified uh, uh after two days of play. That, I mean, that's that's usually what I would go to rank anything. Yeah, honestly, we pretty much knew the MLB power rankings after the first two games anyway. So. I had the Sox at two. I don't know about you, but... <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know what? We'll get into that. We'll definitely get into that. Uh, but in any case, uh, pretty good week for the Sox. Uh, pretty offensively horrible, but results okay week for the Cubs. Um, Cubs have yet to clinch a playoff spot, and I... I cannot think of the math of how that's possible, considering um, going into the games Monday, they had like a three-and-a-half game lead, and like everybody makes the playoffs. So I just don't see how they wouldn't make the playoffs. But Look we'll, we'll uh, at the stats people on that one. We'll have to. I don't get it. Um, but in any case, their magic number sits at six going into Monday's game. They currently have the lead in Pittsburgh. Uh, Cincinnati's playing good ball behind them. We'll get into the standings uh, later on. But let's start with a weekly recap. Pat, we'll let you go first. You had a pretty exciting start to the week, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. So the beginning of the week was obviously the four-game set against the Twins. Um, at home, it shaped up, honestly, to be one of the biggest regular season series of the last, I mean, Jesus, eight years for the White Sox, saying how they haven't played many competitive September baseball games since then. But in any event, it got off to a great start with a 3-1, 3-1 win against the Twins. It was a nail-biting game the whole way with Dylan Cease barely hanging on. Uh, the Twins left a 15 runners on base and went 2-for-16 with runners in scoring position. Cease went 4-2 and two thirds, giving up 5 hits, only one earned run, and walking 5. So absolutely filling the bases up, but by some act of God not letting many runs in. Slow offensive day, though, uh, with Madrigal driving in the first run in the second. Um, the game was tied by Polanco with an RBI single in the fifth. Um, and then in the eighth, the Twins loaded the bases on Gio Gonzalez and Alex Colomay walks, but Colomay forced a Nelson Cruz ground out to end the inning. In the Sox half, uh, Adam Engel came up to pinch hit for Nomar Mazzara after Mancata and Robert walked. He looked like he was showing bung at the last second, pulled it back, ripped a single up the middle, perfect fake executed there. Ricky definitely called for that one. I won't take anything else for an answer. And the Sox won 3-1. Tuesday, a 6-2 win against the Twins in a battle of bespectacled pitchers. Dane Dunning 
got, getting the best of Randy Dobnak, the former Uber driver, uh, as you may remember. Uh, Dunning went seven innings with three hits, two earned, seven strikeouts, and two walks, lowering his season ERA to 2.33, which is just incredible, saying how he did not pitch last year due to injury. And the White Sox offense clearly got the job done. Three hit games from Tim Anderson and Jose Abreu, home runs from Tim Anderson and James McCann, and the easy victory. The only real twin strike was a Byron Buxton inside the park homer in the third to tie the game at one, and then it was all Sox after that. Wednesday was the worst part of the series with Lucas Giolito pitching, which seems to be happening a lot with the Twins, which is kind of concerning, but we'll look past it. It was a 5-1 loss to the Twins. Uh, Jake Odorizzi, I won't say got the better of Lucas Giolito, but his team got the win. Uh, Giolito was okay, three earned on three hits over six innings, walking three, striking out four. Bigger problem in this one was that the White Sox offense was basically non-existent, only getting two hits, and the only run came on Jose Abreu's 16th homer of the year in the fourth. All of the Twins' runs also came on home runs, living up to that Bomba Squad name. Uh, Rosario and Buxton homered off of Giolito, and then Sano homered off of Matt Foster in the eighth to extend the lead to the eventual 5-1 final score. Thursday in the series finale, the Sox won the game 4-3 in a back-and-forth nail-biter of a game. Sox and Twins basically traded runs most of the way by way of the home run. Buxton hit homers in the second and the fifth. Abreu hit one in the fourth, and Carnacion tied it in the fifth at two. And then Josh Donaldson, in one of the weirder moments of the season, hit a home run in the sixth to put the Twins up 3-2 and then got ejected uh, as he rounded the bases, kicking dirt over home while screaming at the home plate umpire about a missed call strike earlier in the at-bat, which is just a wild flex on a home run. But he took himself out of the game, and in the seventh, the White Sox took the lead for good with Jared, Jared Dyson, a noted slugger, singling and stealing second, then getting driven in by Jose Abreu with two outs. And Eloy Jimenez double-scored Yolmer, who was pinch-running for Yasmani Grandal for insurance, and the bullpen shut the game down from there with Colome getting the four-out save. And with that win, the White Sox clinched their first playoff berth in 12 years since that 08 season in the blackout game, also against the Twins when they clinched the division. Uh, we'll talk about that more a little bit later, but that was the clincher right there. Friday, uh, we'll just call this the hangover loss. It was a 7-1 loss to the Reds the next day in Cincinnati. Um, all Reds scoring early and often with one in the first on a Castellanos homer and then home runs from Barnhart, Votto, and Winker, and all in the third, extending the game to 6-0, which basically put it out of reach. Only real bright spots for the White Sox were this one were two hits from Nick Madrigal and 2020 first-round pick Garrett Crochet making his MLB debut, becoming the first player since Mike Leake in, I believe, 2009 to entirely skip the minor leagues. He struck out two in one inning and hit 101 on one of his pitches, which was the fastest pitch by a left-handed pitcher in baseball this season. So I don't want to talk about that game anymore, so we'll move on to Saturday where we hit a pitcher's duel between Dallas Keuchel and Trevor Bauer. Uh, Keuchel's first game back from the IL, and it was one of the better pitching matchups we had seen this season. Certainly lived up to the billing. No scoring until the fifth when the most unlikeliest of people, Nomar Mazzara, hit an absolute rocket. I don't know if you saw it, but it was just a frightening one, like that 500-footer he hit off Lopez last year. Uh, bombed to right for his first home run of the year, which was then followed by a TA solo shot off of Trevor Bauer. Sox then went off in the eighth with back-to-back-to-back home runs from Tim Anderson, Yasmani Grandal, and Jose Abreu. Just like that, the game was 5-0 and basically over. Great pitching lines all the way around. Bauer went 7 with 2 earned and 5 strikeouts. Keuchel only went 4 in his first game back, giving up 4 hits, no earned, and striking out 7. But also not getting a ground out, which is extremely odd for Dallas Keuchel. But hey, it works, so we'll take it. 
Sunday, the finale of the week, the Sox lost 7-3, dropping a rare series loss to the Reds. A very weird game start to finish. I think that's really the only one way to describe that. Because if you would have told me Dylan Cease would get give up no hits in the game, I probably would think win. But unfortunately, when you walk seven in three innings um, and throw 80 pi- 37 strikes in 80 pitches, you're probably not doing too good. Um, the Reds out hit the Sox six to five, or the Sox out hit the Reds. I'm sorry, six to five, but the Reds won seven to three. Game complete, completely unraveled in the fourth when Cease walked the bases loaded. Was then pulled for Ross Detweiler, who gave up runs on Barnhart and Aquino RBI groundouts, and then walked three more consecutive batters, allowed a Mike Moustakis RBI single, and then it was five nothing, and that was basically it. Uh, with the only Sox runs coming later in the game on Madrigal and Abreu RBIs and a Edwin Encarnacion home run in the eighth. Uh, overall, the week finished up at four and three, so not too bad, even with dropping the series loss to the uh, to the Reds. But ultimately, they finished the week 34-19, two and a half up on the Twins in the Central, second best record in the AL, and with that playoff spot that was finally here in hand. So the playoff question is done. The Sox are in. So I'll chalk that up as a successful week. All right, first, explain to me the Dobinak Uber driver thing. I've never even heard of that. Oh, yeah, he uh, he drove Uber. I, I, can't, I can't remember the whole story, but he was an Uber driver in the offseason, I think, uh, two years ago. Like that's what oh. he did. That's what he did when he was in the minors to make money. Oh, okay, okay. It would have been even crazier if like he was just an Uber driver, and I was like, <laughs> maybe I'll just like throw some baseballs. And it's like the dude just, at the uh, the A's pulled out of the speed pitch competition, just drives up to the game, and is like, yeah, let me try throwing one of these guys, and it hits like ninety eight. Well, yeah, it was like a it was a at a Rockies game, and then the A's ended up signing him. Yeah. So good for him for getting. If you're going to be a pro pitcher, don't be in the Rockies organization. Did I tell you about the time I tried that last year? Go on. Uh, I hit 54, and my dad laughed at me after I threw it. So unfortunately, the Sox did not uh, send me a contract my way. Yeah. Well, it kind of depends, right? Like they'd have a little bit of trouble hitting 54, and usually when those position players come in and they just like kind of toss it up there. That's Not true. that many home runs get hit. Get the timing off. Only problem is, as soon as the timing uh, were to get, uh, as soon as the timing were to get synced up, I would probably get murdered by a line drive. So, you'd get on a baseball card though, and That's they could true. put that baseball card that, that lives your, forever at your gravesite. That lives forever. That doesn't go away. <laughs> That's right. Um, so that that answers my question about the Uber driver. But there's something almost terrifying about the fact that you can get picked up. At any time, by an Uber driver, and that guy can throw 94 miles an hour. That would be, I mean, you do anything in the backseat, you're getting pelted with a water bottle or something. <laughs> well, it's like, you look at your phone, it's like, Mahmoud is on his way in a Prius, and what if Mahmoud can throw, like, a slider at 87? Like, that's, think about that the next time you call an Uber. It's just turning into a Disney movie. <laughs> it really is. Moneyball, if you will. <laughs> what would you call an Uber-themed Moneyball movie? Ooh, that's a tough one. Is are we getting the weekly question early? Um, <laughs> what do you call it, like five stars or something like that? Something. God, if I... 10% yeah. tip? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, man, I'm, I'm struggling. It's okay. Well, we have time. Um, next point I had to make, I love Josh Donaldson. He's like my favorite, one of my favorite players. He definitely has one of my favorite swings of all time. That's ahead of Griffey. Don't at me. But he went off on the umpires the next day. 
Yeah. He made like he like wrote like two paragraphs about how these guys make six figures and they don't deserve it and they're never yep. held accountable. And it's like, yeah, you could say that about Joe West, but like everybody else, it's like. I just just like I get being upset, but also like the at bat ended with the home run, so it's kind of like I mean, and then to go into the hole, they're not held accountable. They're preventing people from making their livelihoods and. Pre- potentially like what i think what did he say like potentially messing up people's families lives like it's just like okay let's uh yeah let's take yeah, a like step they're doing back it on here purpose right they're not doing it on purpose if they mess up it's never on purpose right? yeah i mean imagine like imagine if josh donaldson would have been the pitcher in the armando galarraga perfect game i don't think jim joyce would have left the stadium no he would have had his fu manchu ripped clear <laughs> off his face oh my <laughs> god yeah that would have been oh, that that would have been a bad scene there's very few people that would react like the way Armando Galarraga reacted. Like no. I, I can't think of like there's got to be like maybe like you Darvish. I I like I I mean I'd like to say I'd handle it with grace, but I'd probably just walk out of uh, just walk out of the stadium right there. Just take the ball with me and go home. Yeah, I don't know what I would do. I'd probably spit in his face or something. <laughs> just take first base, leave the stadium. Yeah, this is mine now. <laughs> Um, and finally, Steve Stone made this point, but White Sox undefeated when Nomar Mazara homers. That's not wrong. So, I mean, you pretty much have to bat him first you want, for the playoffs, right? I mean, I would agree with that, but you know who is? Uh, I am not undefeated when I bet on Nomar Mazara to home run because I've done that multiple times, and this, that game I didn't. So I guess so, I should just never, never bet on it. Just let him go. You should just bet on Sox pitching to give up home runs that's reverse psychology i like it so you had that red series too i wanted to talk about this too um tim anderson of all people did not uh showboat his home run against trevor bauer and there was a bit of a reaction wasn't there yeah yeah so bauer so bauer after the game said so it, it came back last year um it was when Tim Anderson had a lot of his hot streak going in last year they were going back and forth on twitter and trevor bauer said yo if you he said something along the lines of like it was when you know I I don't know if you remember but uh whatever the hell that guy's name uh, Grichuk on the uh, on the Blue Jays was kind of chirping at Tim Anderson on Twitter mm-hmm. Trevor Bauer was like you know if you ever hit one off me just go ahead and go nuts and then Tim Anderson said like my my numbers are so bad against you you better believe I'm gonna bat flip if I hit one off you and then when he did and didn't bat flip Bauer was like oh just telling me soft for not doing it so then. Tim Anderson replied by saying, just tell, tell Bauer to put that on his YouTube channel, which he did today. I haven't seen the video yet, but apparently uh, I saw a screenshot grab of it. It's he just circles Tim Anderson running from first in red on the teleprompter and just writes soft across the screen. You, you want to like Trevor Bauer, and then he does stupid shit. He, like, tries too hard for attention, I feel like. Let me put it this way. I like the concept of Trevor Bauer. Yeah. I don't know if I even do. Does, I think he just he just annoys me, but I love like showboating and I yep. love I love the fun part of the game and he exemplifies the fun part of the game, but I don't think it's genuine. I think he's doing it for attention. Like and it, it's like the class clown. Yeah. yeah. He's hilarious sometimes, but he's trying too damn hard. Yeah, cuz I mean, he, he kind of blends the best of both worlds like the modern approach with regards to training. Like he was one of the first big like guys to make it out of drive line. You know, the the different cleats he's been wearing this year, the YouTube channel trying to grow the game. But then he also does things like when he went after that one girl on Twitter for like saying something to him, and it's just like that's the the execution's not always there, but the concept I'm a fan of. A couple of years ago, he was on Cleveland, and he 
like gave one of the Cubs ball girls his number and Twitter handle and everything like that. <laughs> That's a power move. Just say, oh, yeah, hey, follow me on Twitter. <laughs> exactly. Or yeah, I, I don't know. It, I don't know how it ended, but and even if I did know, I probably wouldn't say it on here. Not that anybody <laughs> listens, but maybe that would get people to listen. So who's the, who's to say? Breaking um, news exclusive story coming next <laughs> exactly. week. Exactly. Breaking. Um, okay. So. Good, good week for the Sox to get that clinch. Uh, we're going to talk about the Cubs. The Cubs went 3-2 and two this week, and the fashion in which they did is maddening, but it's still a winning week, so let's just get right into it. Um, no game on Monday. Tuesday was a, um, a two-game series against the Cleveland Indians. The Cubs won the first two of those at Progressive Field, so the other two are at Wrigley. Um, Darvish gets the ball, uh, goes seven innings pitch, gives up nine hits, three earned, only two of them earned. Uh, in the first, or in the second inning, Bias hits a home run. And then um, in the third inning, um, Lindor is on third base, one out, pop up to right field. Lindor tries to score, and Jason Hayward, absolute missile, throws him out uh, at home, and that run would be very important as we continue. Uh, next, uh Rizzo and Bryant combined for two RBIs in the fifth to make the game to tie the game up to three to three, and then uh, Wilson Contreras to sacrifice fly in the seventh to make it four to three. Uh, in the eighth inning, Javier Baez is on first base. He decides to steal for second. The ball gets thrown into center field, and he goes for third and decides I'm going to round it and go home and scores rather easily. A very hobby Baez play. It worked out pretty well. So the Cubs are up 5-3 going to the ninth, and Jeremy Jeffers gets the ball. Uh, shockingly gives up a two-run homer to Francisco Lindor, who gets his revenge and ties the game. And then in the ninth, um, the pitching for the Indians kinds of falls, kind of falls apart. Uh, the couple guys get on. They bring in Nick Whitgren uh, with the guys on f- second and third. Wilson Contreras comes up and gets hit by the pitch to load the bases. Wilson Contreras kind of throws a fit, thinking for some reason why this curveball was thrown to him to load the bases. Um, thrown at him to load the bases, I should say. Uh, not to be, because it was definitely disproved it wasn't on purpose when Cameron Maben gets hit by the next pitch to end the game in a walk-off uh, walk-off hit by pitch. Clearly, Nick Whitgren just didn't have his stuff. Uh, friend of the pod, by the way, uh, Nick Whitgren. Kind of, sort of, not really. But in any case... In our hearts, he the, is. That's right. No, he's he's like friends of a friend. So whenever he was on the Marlins, um, my buddy would get on the field and we'd all kind of chat sometimes. Um, but in any case, Cubs get the win in a walk-off hit-by-pitch um, to avoid going in extras. So they are 3-0 against the Indians. You're welcome, White Sox, going into Wednesday. So Wednesday, John Lesser goes onto the mound, gives up five, uh, or goes five and gives up two earned, so pretty solid start. The pitch count got a little bit high. Uh, Mabin and Hayward get the RBIs, so those are the the, um, the four runs scored between the two teams, the two earned given up by Lester and then Mabin and Hayward. Uh, in the seventh inning, uh, Mabin singles and Horner doubles, second and third, so they change pitchers to a fellow by the name of James Karinchek, who has easily become my favorite player in baseball. Uh, he strikes out Hap, he strikes out Bryant, Rizzo walks uh, to load the bases, and then Contreras grounds out, so he gets out of it. Um, this is the kind of guy that, like, talks to the baseball, throws it around, wears number 99 on the Indians, Ricky Vaughn style, and throws absolute gas. And I think he has, like, a 60% strikeout rating in the last year and a half that he's played in the majors. So he's the real deal, super fun to watch. Um, but he did really cost the Cubs in that one. It looked like they were about to take the lead in the seventh. It did not happen. No scoring happens um, for the rest of the uh 
first nine innings, so it goes into extras. Um, in the in extra innings, the Cubs shut down the Indians from scoring, and they come up. Bryant singles, uh, Rizzo walks, two con, uh, consecutive strikeouts after that, and Javi Baez comes up with two outs, goes down 0-2 very quickly, and then hits a single into left field to get the walk-off win. So for the second straight day, it is a one-run victory in walk-off fashion. The Cubs get the series win and series sweep against the Cleveland Indians, um, and help out their friends on the south side in the process, although the Indians aren't really the contenders we were worried about. Who are they worried about? Well, it's the Minnesota Twins who came into town uh, after an off day Thursday. So Friday, um, Kyle Hendricks versus Rich Hill. So Rich Hill, former Cub, getting up there in age, but is a Cub killer, confirmed Cub killer. Uh, Hendricks, though, goes eight innings pitch, gives up no earned runs, and ten strikeouts with only one walk. Uh, Wilson Gutierrez gets an RBI uh, single in the first inning, and that was the only run that was scored in the entire game. So Hendricks did have to do what he had to do in order for the Cubs to get the win, and he did. Uh, Jeremy Jeffress gets the save, redeeming himself after blowing the save earlier this week. So the Cubs are riding a five-game winning streak all is well, and then things kind of got a little bit sticky. Um, Saturday was a 8-1 to loss. Alec Mills, after pitching his no-hitter, comes out and has a pretty good start to the game. Only gives up two runs uh, through the first five, and then the Twins score five runs in the sixth inning. Um, a few of those coming off Mills. So he, his line is, it doesn't look too bad. Six innings pitched, four earned. But the Cubs, the damage was done, um, and the Cubs' offense has been absolutely atrocious. So um, that's all she wrote. An 8-1 to loss. So then the final game of the series, uh, the final home game at Wrigley, an ESPN game, because we love those, um, against the Twins, Hugh Darvish uh, versus uh, Jose Barrios, which is probably one of the better pitching matchups we've seen this year. Uh, and the game would go to Barrios in a 4 nothing fashion. Uh, Darvish did, did all right, but uh, Kepler um, and Rosario had RBIs and uh, Interestingly enough, Kyle Schwarber, uh, I believe it was Cave who hit a ball that was probably should have been a double. Cave's pretty fast, but it probably should have been a double. Uh, in the second inning, he did not, uh, Schwarber didn't hustle for the ball, allowing Cave to get to third, and he's immediately pulled after the inning is over. Um, pulled out of the game, put Maven in left field. Um, and then for the rest of the game, the ESPN announcers were trying to figure out why he got pulled, if he was injured or not. First, they had Ian Happ mic'd up in the outfield, which I think is absurd to do during the regular season and not during an All-Star game. And they were asking Ian Happ why Kyle Schwarber got taken out, and they just he was like, oh, he's fine, don't worry about him, he's fine. So then the next inning, of course, they have David Ross mic'd up, and the same thing, oh, no, he's fine, don't worry about him. But it turns out a lack of hustle is what gets you pulled from the game in David Ross's book. Um, I don't particularly disagree with that if you're going to, lollygag but I mean uh, if it's the first time for something unless they're seeing a pattern or something but I really don't I really haven't seen it so pretty interesting to see them pull Kyle Schwarber in any case it's a 4 nothing loss the Cubs lose the series um, but they still go 3-2 and two on the week and they go 3-2 and two only scoring 11 runs in 5 games so a little bit over 2 runs a game and they still went 3-2 and two. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing it's horrible from an offensive standpoint from a pitching standpoint you can't ask for much more than that you'd like to think that both the pitching and the hitting would do something at the same time but it's been a tale of two in the sense that when the pitching and bullpen sucks the hitting has been on fire and vice versa so uh, three and two the Cubs have a pretty um, 
safe lead for the Central. Uh, they're currently in second place, which would put them up against Philadelphia in the first uh, first round. Um, anything to avoid playing the Reds in the first round would be ideal, considering how uh, their first three pitchers in a three-game series are probably better than most of the Cubs pitching besides you, Darvish. I mean, having to go up against um, Sonny Gray, Bauer, and Castillo and having to win two out of three terrifies me, and I think the Dodgers right now should be afraid of that um, as the Reds are currently the eighth seed. But that's the week for the Cubs. Could, you couldn't have just swept the Twins. Just helped us out a little bit. Couldn't have done it. No, and you know what? It, it will come down to the last three games against the White Sox, right? It had to. Yep. I mean, that's the way Destiny was meant to play out here as soon as that schedule got dropped. Yeah. I mean, I hope the Cubs The Cubs have seven games left, including tonight's game, four against the Pirates, and then three against the White Sox. So it's like, hopefully you can take three out of uh, four from the Pirates and then just play your set up your playoff rotation against the White Sox. And even if you do get swept, what might, which might happen because the Sox are just a better team right now, we can use the excuse, oh, we were just waiting for the playoffs. It didn't really matter. Exactly. I mean, that's. I mean, I, I think it's going to be a sweep too, so we have similar mindset going on there. But <laughs> even though, Who's going to win the sweep, though? Well, I have my thoughts. You have your thoughts. We'll leave it at that. Okay. But, yeah, um, also, I liked uh, David Ross taking a – a page out of the Ricky Renteria managing manual, uh, benching a guy for not hustling. Ricky used to do that back in the day every every so often. I believe he had at separate times benched, I think, Wellington Castillo, Avi Garcia. I know it happened to once, like, for not running out balls to first. Just pulls him from the game. Like, that's it's absurd, but, hey, apparently you do that, and then three years later you have the best offense in the American League. I don't know. Those things seem to be correlated. Maybe that's why Machado didn't sign, and thank God, because we don't need that type of cancer on the south side of Chicago. Poisoning the youth. Look at what's going on in San Diego. It's disgusting. Yeah. You know, you guys are better off because, you you know, you were able to sign Yasmani Grendel. I mean, there's team-friendly deals, man. Could you imagine being financially crippled by having a guy like that on the roster? Not me. (laughs) Not you. I I don't want them to have to pay the luxury tax. You know what's going to happen is they're going to both Padres and White Sox are going to um, make it to the World Series, and it's going to be all Tatis and Machado sending the White Sox into the offseason. We're just going to – well, I guess no, it's in a bubble. I was going to say if it's a, if it was at guaranteed rate field, just have a cutout of – or if, if it was again in San Diego, they were going to have a cutout of James Shields behind home plate. <laughs> there you go. Oh, let's talk about that uh, since you mentioned the bubble. Um, the – the bubble for the playoffs is most likely what? It's like in Texas, right? NL is going to be in Texas for the DS and the CS. It's going to be in Houston and Dallas. And then the ALCS, ALDS is going to be in, uh, what was it, LA and San Diego. Wild card round is at the home stadiums of the higher seed. And the World Series is going to be in Dallas at the new Ranger Stadium, which I don't know your thoughts. This is the dumbest thing of all time. I think the World Series should bubble. Like, you can't bu- – yeah, I think you should do home games for the World Series. It's, like, they've been talking about this the last week. I'm hearing, what if – what if? And I don't think the Cubs are going to make the World Series. I'm not, I'm not counting out the Sox for doing so. I think if the Sox win in their first round, they will be the most dangerous team because they need a longer series. But what if they both make the World Series and the game's in fucking Dallas? That would suck. I was just saying the other week before they announced the the uh, bubble, if they if it was a Cubs Sox World Series and the rooftops were the only tickets available, those guys those owners are going to be making the, an obscene amount of money. But that would just be it'd be terrible. Well, yeah, and it's like 
you can bubble Chicago then, right? If they're both, I mean, there should be like a, an exception. Yeah. Like Here, if the both the Chicago teams, why would you send them both down to Dallas? This is the point I don't get. They're not bubbling the wild card round. They didn't bubble the 60 game regular season. They're gonna bubble the um, ALCS, ALDS, NLCS, NLDS. But it, like in the National League, it's in two different cities on the opposite sides of Texas. They're all then gonna go to Dallas in a bubble, and they're gonna let fans in, which thus is not a bubble. Wait, they're letting fans in? Yeah, the, Manfred wants there to be fans. That's okay. If you want them to have fans, how about you? It's put not them a bubble. Host, yeah, and how about you put them in the host cities? I don't think they know what a bubble is. I don't. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he knows. He's just like, yeah, we're going to bubble it. We're going to have fans. It's not. I mean, it's not a thing. But I guess if you want to say it is, then sure. Yeah, I mean, these NFL stadiums are bringing like small capacity crowds in, but the NFL is not a bubble either. So, but they're not claiming to be. You know, no. It's just I, that's what I don't get. It's like it's literally like just letting fans in destroys the bubble, and they're not having any days off in the playoffs. So it's like I, you're not a real bubble. There's that two. What what do the NBA do? Is a two week quarantine? Make sure yeah. nobody failed. They're just going right from the regular season in the playoffs with no days off until I think the World Series. So it's like that's just you're not you're not doing this right. Yeah. No. That's that's so dumb. Just don't call. Um, just I don't. I. It should just be at home at this point. Just. It should just be at home, at the home team stadiums. I mean, they have to make an exception. I mean, they, Chicago won't let fans watch, but they still have to be in the stadiums. Yeah, I mean, that would I be... think that's the reason that Chicago doesn't have uh, a shot at yep. being the bubble. And I'm, we're making wild assumptions that both teams are going to make it. But in any case, like, okay, how about this? You have the Dodgers or the Braves, or the Dodgers and the Padres. Same thing, right? Or yep. No, that, that would be the same I don't know. Okay, Oakland. Oakland and the Dodgers make the World Series, and you're going to send them both to Texas? I mean, that can't be much further apart from each other than Houston and Dallas. I don't know. It's just, it's, it, I, like, it makes no sense. Yeah. They, I mean, I think they just, they just want to give that stadium in Texas, like a, uh, what do you call it, like a nice big, like, I don't know, like a, not a homecoming. Like a grand opening. Yeah, exactly. That's, I think that's the only thing it is. They, and they, Texas is going to let fans in, so there you go. Yeah. I think the University of Texas had like 25,000 positive COVID students or something. There we go. So here we are. Coming to an MLB bubble near you. Yeah, well, I think it's not a single one of those kids went to the hospital, so who's to say? Um, yeah, we'll leave that to talk to the experts. Yeah, the scientists who are not us. Uh, in any case, we digress, we digest. Who is the White Sox player of the week? So in a pick that was definitely based on some sort of symmetry in the narrative. It is Jose Abreu yet again by literally one hit over Tim Anderson. Uh, in the past week, both players had three homers, four RBIs, a double, four runs scored in 23 at-bats, but Abreu had 10 hits, Tim Anderson had nine, so by default I have to give it to Jose Abreu. And the reason also I also did that is because it kind of encapsulates the MVP race between those two guys on the year. Right now, obviously, they're both near the top. Tim Anderson's hitting 360. He's got 10 homers, 21 RBIs, leading the AL in runs scored at 43, second in the AL in hits, a two-plus war player, and is only one batting average point behind DJ LeMahieu as of play Sunday for the batting title. Jose Abreu's hitting 335, 18 homers, leading the AL with 53 RBIs and 72 hits, and is the highest American League position player in war based off baseball reference with 2.9. So those two guys are right up there. I mean, me personally, I give it to Abreu for MVP by a hair, so I'm giving it uh, Player of the Week to Abreu by a hair here as well. 
Fair enough. Uh, as for the Cubs, like I said, they scored 11 runs in five games, so it would be a shame to give it to anybody on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, therefore, we're going with Kyle Hendricks, who got the one nothing win and the only win against the Twins, going eight innings pitched, striking out ten, giving up only three hits and walking only one. Um, really making his case to be the, the playoff game one starter, depending on the matchups, but uh, especially the way... And you Darvish struggling means you Darvish gives up two or three runs, so I'll still be okay with that. But when your team can't score two or three runs, then giving up two or three runs is a bad thing. Uh, so Kyle Hendricks gets player of the week. It was kind of a no-brainer for... Uh, obviously, he won them a baseball game pretty much by himself. So, I mean... That'll do it. You can add, add one to the, the win probability when he pitched against the Twins. They That's how war it. works, right? That is how war works, yeah. So add one to his war. We've broken the formula. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but in any case, that is uh, Player of the Week. Uh, MLB news, we kind of been chatting about it already, but um, let me just take a look at the MLB standings here. Um, and who? So the White Sox right now would be playing the Indians to start uh, if the season you know ended today correct yep that is correct they'd be playing the Indians who would be the seventh seed uh, just behind Tampa Bay who would be playing I believe the Blue Jays still would be the eighth seed yeah and right now it's uh, Phillies for the Cubs but they're losing their game currently right now um, Reds are winning their game so that could flip um, I do not want to play the Reds as I said earlier I don't I just feel like that that could be like a uh, 06 Cardinals wild card team that just catches fire. Reds are dangerous, though. I mean, like you said, they got the pitching, and also that offense could go off at any moment. Like they have a pretty good offense, so all things considered. So when if the both of those things are clicking at the same time, they're going to be dangerous. Yeah. Hopefully, they knock off the Dodgers. That would be hilarious. That would be that would be so funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's kind of how it's shaking out. Um, that's pretty much all I could say about the standing is that regard. Um, but who is the most surprising team in the American League? You think that'll or so I I pick the Reds as the chance to make a surprising playoff run. Who would you pick in the American League? In the AL, I'm I mean I'm not going to pick the Sox because obviously they're a higher seed right now. And just to leave uh, subjectivity out of it, if I had to pick one of the teams, I would probably go with Cleveland. Um, even though they don't have Clevenger anymore, they still have a pretty damn good rotation with Plezak, Zavale, uh, still, and Bieber, obviously. I, why I named him third is beyond me, but that's just how my brain's working on a Monday night. Um, but I think with that rotation, even though their offense isn't as deep as it has been in past years, when you still got uh, Jose Ramirez, Frankie Lindor, Carlos Santana out there, they still have top-tier offensive players that can, if they're all clicking and that they just get the same dominant outings they've been getting from that pitching, I, it's going to be tough to beat them, especially in that best-of-three series to open it. That is, of all the first-round matchups the Sox could face, the Indians is the one I do not want. Give me the Blue Jays, give me the Astros. I'll, I Honestly, at this point, would rather take the Twins because we've looked better against them, just not the Indians. Yeah. Um, interesting team to make it to is uh, Miami, which is they're probably going to make it, it looks like. Um, I don't unless well. If, they might get bumped down by if the Phillies make a run, but Miami's currently the five seed, and they'd play San Diego. I don't think they're going to beat San Diego, but Sixto Sanchez could start that first game and get a win and scare, kind of scare San Diego. Oh, yeah. And after that, who knows, you know? Because Paddock is probably going to be um, the 
playoff one starter, and if his changeup isn't working like it usually is, he can get lit up a little bit. So I could see them scaring, you know, scaring San Diego, um, forcing their hand in, of winning the last two of three in a series if Sanchez is on. This is where it would have been interesting to have the traditional wild card format because that would have been Sixto Sanchez pitching in a wild card game. Right. And then it's just all bets are off. Can we agree that like Sixto Sanchez is like one of the coolest? baseball names we've heard. Oh, easily. I mean, he's up there with some of those early 1900s guys. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean... Definitely passing Sad Sam Jones in Name War. (laughs) In Name War, yeah, the will to name. (laughs) Um, But in any case, um, all right, enough about that. We're obviously more excited about playoffs than actually what's going on um, right now. I'm like I'm mentally not in on regular season baseball right now, knowing that the Cubs are likely to clinch pretty soon. The Sox are already in. I'm just like, all right, just give me the playoffs already. I don't really care. I already got my playoff hat ordered, man. I, I, I wait 12 years for that. I'm ordering it the second they clinch. Does it say playoff participant on it? Oh, no, no, no. Well, I mean, it's a generic hat with the, the thing. But, I, yeah, I just want that banner up there, playoff participant. It's like the Nashville Predators yep. when, they, <laughs> when they make the playoffs, they put a banner up. What is it? Yeah, I mean, it's only happened nine times in White Sox history. So, so this I, will be the 10th time? This this will be the 10th, number 10. Wow, that is depressing. I mean, we're witnessing the golden age of White Sox baseball. Since 2000, that's 2005, 08, 2020. That's 40% of them in the last 20 years. I don't. I, it's hard to beat that, and if you pick any area outside of the 1906 to 1919 years. Yeah, and key word there is witnessing, because not many people went, and, and so they weren't able to watch it on TV, nope. as TV wasn't a thing. Um, so, in any case, we're going to move on to our favorite segment, uh, the LinkedIn Player Profile. If you don't know by now, a LinkedIn Player Profile is where we go through the careers of a old Cub, old White Sox, uh, using LinkedIn as a primary source for our research, and we may invoke some fun memories. I'm going to go first this week, because I think you went first last week, um, with a fellow by the name of Jermaine Van Buren, uh, no relation to the 7th president, Martin Van Buren, of the Van B Boys. Oh, that's um, a dangerous gang. <laughs> yeah, the Van B Boys. Um, or it was the 8th eighth, eighth president. Yeah, they hold right? up eight fingers. That's their signal. Yeah, because Kramer had the, uh, <laughs> Kramer had the, uh, uh, the cheese shaker. Yeah. In the other two fingers. That's all. Okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, Jermaine Van Buren played for the Cubs in just 2005. His career statistics are a 1-2 and two record with a 9 ERA and 11 career strikeouts, making him a negative .5 war player. Um, by our statistic, uh, statistical, statistical understanding of war, that means he gave up half, a, half of a game, right? Oh, yeah. Okay, but in any case, he only pitched in 16 games. For his career, 19 innings, um, and with a whip of 2.105, which one can consider, uh, as the experts say, bad. Uh, but in any case, he did have a um, longer career than one would expect with that kind of those kind of numbers. Uh, playing for Boston uh, at the age of 25 before his career ended, uh, he was traded over to Boston. Uh, which I originally thought would be in the Nomar deal, but it was not. It was a side deal. Um, And then later on in 2006, he was called up by the Red Sox when David Wells was put on the, at the time, disabled list uh, and got back up out of AAA, but was not to beat him to uh, maintain his career in the majors. So what is Jermaine doing now? We take a look at his uh, LinkedIn. 
uh, pitching and recruiting coordinator for Lubach Christian University. Of course, pitching is spelled incorrectly, spelled P-I-T-C-H-N-G. We forgot the I, but he is in Amarillo, Texas area. We go to his about section, <clears throat> it's, and it states, I truly thought playing baseball was the greatest joy in sport, sport singular, until I started coaching and seeing the growth in players. I'm very excited about what I do and who it affects. Uh, wrong use, wrong word use and effects there. Um, and this will be this will be the great part of my life. I am sure of it. One sentence. Uh, grammar is not the great part. I, I should stop digging into this guy. But in any case, uh, loving what you do makes it much easier to succeed at it. Um, ending a sentence in a preposition. No, I'm just kidding. We're not going that far. But in any case, we go to his um, work experience. Uh, pitcher for the Rockies. Uh, provide pitching abilities for this organization. <laughs> Pitcher for the Cubs, pitched on the Major League Baseball team. Pitch for the Red Sox, pitched on their Major League Baseball team. Pitcher for the Nationals, uh, AAA for the Columbus Clippers. Then just Oakland A's pitcher. Um, he played over in Taiwan for the La Nu Bears. Uh, go huh. Bears. And then pitcher for the Florida Marlins in 2010. These were all in the minor league organizations. And now he is uh, the pitching instructor for the Amarillo Baseball Academy for the last 10 years and 9 months. Uh, which the description, besides what we'd expect from the other ones, was I am the pitching instructor and I am always in charge of the all-fall instructional league baseball. Always in charge. Um, since I've been a, a part of this com company, we have sent over 30 pitchers to college, and I also worked with three kids that have helped uh, perfect their, their mechanics. And I'm so, these, <laughs> these typos are killing me. But in any case, their mechanics and mentality get drafted and right now currently playing professional. So he's got three professional baseball players out of there. Um, but, yeah, that's, that pretty much sums up Jermaine Van Buren. Not a whole lot of Major League success, but loved the game so much, loves coaching the game, and uh, also a University of Phoenix graduate, so he cares about his education as well. We love that. Uh, Jermaine Van Buren, although only on the Cubs for a very short time, your LinkedIn player profile player of the week. Really wish he would have had eight career appearances or something like that. Then we would have known. Yeah, he, he would have been, you know, the, the Van Buren boys gang affiliation would have been rather obvious. But uh, in any case, Pat, uh, who is the White Sox LinkedIn player profile this week? Well, Nick, unlike Yadier Molina, we have a Hall of Famer for my pick. Oh, I love it. A Hall of Famer, you might ask. Who is that? It is Scott Linebrink, the relief pitcher from the Sox from 28 to 2010, and I'll get more into that Hall of Fame a little bit later. <laughs> I was going to say, what? Don't, don't fact check it now. Just wait. You'll see. <laughs> So he was drafted by the Giants in the 97 MLB draft, was ultimately traded to Houston, who he debuted for in the big leagues in 2000, and then was claimed off waivers by the Padres, where he had a, probably the best years of his career statistically, setting up for Trevor Hoffman. From 04 to 06, he racked up just north of 4 war, went 22-8, and had a 2-5-1 ERA, and left over 85% of base runners on base, pitching in exactly 73 games every year, so that is the definition of consistency. He then went to the Brewers in 2007 and went to the Sox as a free agent before the 08 season, where he had his best White Sox year in 2008, the playoff season. Overall, was a half-war player over three years with a 4-2-8 ERA in 159 games, so nothing special. After his time on the South Side, went to the Braves in December 2010, then signed a minor league deal with the Cardinals in 2012, but never played for them and retired shortly thereafter. So, back to that Hall of Fame side. He is the first player ever out of the Concordia University in Texas to make the major leagues, and in 2009 donated $300,000 to their baseball, 
baseball program that went to getting a field and was also inducted into the school's Hall of Fame. If those two things are related or which one followed which, I'm not sure, but they both happened in 2009, so you can do the math there of what happened. In any event, looking at what he's doing now on LinkedIn, he is the stewardship coordinator at Mission at Water Mission, um, which in the about, I'll go into that. Water Mission is a Charleston-based Christian nonprofit company that provides safe water and sanitation to developing countries. Programs have been implemented in 52 countries, reaching over 2.5 million people with safe drinking water. Partners with UNICEF, Samaritan's Purse, Doctors Without Borders, and InTouch Ministries. Our goal is to save lives through safe water, combined with the living water of Jesus Christ. And that is the about section. I'm going to leave it at that. He's been there for five years and three months. It's based out of the Charleston, South Carolina area. Um, his other only other work experience is as a pitcher in Major League Baseball for 12 years and three months, just with the MLB logo there. Logo there. So he respects the league. Uh, went to Texas State for a year and then finished up his bachelor's at Concordia University, Texas, after retiring in 2015, after becoming a Hall of Famer. So an absolute legend walking around that campus. But in any event, that is this week's player for me, Scott Linebrink. I, I laughed at the end part because you just toss in Jesus at the end. Like, he's doing amazing things, don't get me wrong. Yep. I mean, I, I worked on some water projects when I was in college, and the average uh, small uh, village uh, Ethiopian walks about five miles to get water every day. So it's a very noble oh, cause. Yeah. You're doing great things, and then you just gave all the credit to Jesus right at the end. Just take, just do the great, do, do the great things, man. It's team know. player. In any case, uh, good for him. Very good uh, Hall of Fame tease there. I could imagine um, all the uh, preferential treatment he must have gotten in those classes after uh, being a Hall of Famer. It's like, Dude. can I get extension on that paper? No. Come on, I'm a Hall of Famer. They're just like, all right, Hall of Famer, you get the extension. Dude, donated a Hall. He's a Hall of Famer and donated three hundred thousand dollars to their baseball program. So it's like, ah, can I get an A? I don't know about that. Um, maybe we'll bump up that donation by another fifteen k. Okay, here you go. It's like, well, I thought I saw you at Linebrink Field yesterday. Want to check the name? <laughs> ah, see, uh, let's uh, take a look at the name on this paper. <laughs> it's the same guy. It's the same guy. Okay, well, in any case, that concludes Episode 9. It was a good episode. Had a lot of fun talking about it. Uh, Pat, we're going to end the episode the way we always do with a question you haven't heard yet, and this is one you're actually going to really like. Between... The last time the White Sox made the playoffs, and now, what is the greatest sporting event that happened, in your opinion? Is this for me personally or in the world? Personally. Personally. Oh, this is this is a tough one. Um. Well, there's. I mean, oh god, there's a lot of ways I can go with this. Nothing on the White Sox, so that's definitely not there. Um. Jesus, man, you, this is this is testing me. I I'm making you realize how crappy your favorite teams. I mean, are. there's nothing on the Bulls. I mean, I'm not really a hockey fan. Well, you had the three Blackhawks cups, maybe a Rose MVP or something. I don't know. I mean, I got I got I was gonna say the Bears in 2018, but being at the uh, double doink game in person kind of scarred me for that. So, not really quite sure. I'm ready to throw that one on there. Ooh, let's just. You know what? Let's go with the LaGrange Wiffle Ball Academy making it to the Elite Eight of the World Wiffle Ball Championship in 2014. I love it. That's got to be. I mean, there's not much else going on for my team, so we'll go with that. 
I love it. So I had a bigger window with this question, considering that it was 108 years between. Uh, I guess no playoff appearances and World Series are two totally different things. So the last playoff appearance before the 2015 season was the 2007 season. Um, so from 2007 to or 2008, I, say, I was going to say, did, Man- did Manny wipe your memory away of that postseason? <laughs> I really wish it didn't happen. Um, but it did. So 20, 2008 to 2015 was the Cubs playoff drought. And in the meantime, I'd probably go with that first 2010 Blackhawks Stanley Cup. The other ones were fun, but it's always good to get that first one. Oh, yeah. I can, I can tell you all about that after we, they had Sox win this year. <laughs> Looking forward to it. When they, when they, go, to, when they go to beautiful Dallas-Fort Worth to take on the San Diego Padres. It's God's country down there, man. According to Scott Linebrick, it certainly is. <laughs> I like that. That's a, that's a way to bring this whole thing full circle. Nice tie-in. So we can uh, you can listen to this this podcast on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever else. Uh, Pat, as always, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. And remember, everybody, Yadi Molina is not a Hall of Famer. Go Cubs. Go White Sox. Go MLB. See you in the playoffs. Come on, baby, don't you make me laugh.